to Normalize This, where we are dissecting sexual vocabulary, asking intimate questions, and starting necessary conversations. I'm your host, Kenny Francoeur, and this is Normalize This. Welcome to the first episode. No time to waste. Let's get to work. So I'm going to drop some Greek on you today. Philia or legnia are both suffixes that mean a love of or a predilection towards. Philia is more common and when it comes to sexy time words, we hear it a lot. So let's match philia or legnia with a prefix today, shall we? I'm going to match it with euro. The Greek term for urine, urologist, urology. Those are nice words you don't blush at when someone brings them up. Urophilia, eek, gross, no. Urophilia and urolagnia are known by far more common terms like piss play, water sports, or golden showers. I guess you could call it anything you wanted. Some ones I've come up with are lemonade leak, or the sunshine stream, or the body waste baptism. So feel free to use any of those. We, the public, seem to always laugh at, mock, or shame people who participate in urophilia. It's frequently the butt of a joke, marking the participant as weird or mentally or emotionally deficient. Actually, PP playtime might be more common than you think. According to the Great Australian Sex Census, yep, that is a thing, out of over 17,000 Australians surveyed, 4% of men specifically were piss play fanatics. It's not just men, though. According to Pornhub, in 2019, women in Iowa and Michigan were more likely to search for the word pissing on that porn site than anywhere else in the country. A survey in San Francisco back in 2000. 10 showed that of the women they surveyed, 36.5% reported peeing on a partner or having been peed on by a partner. When searching for this particular porn on Pornhub, top searches include piss, golden shower, caught pissing, and water sports. But one of my favorites of their top searches was lesbian water sports, which I can only assume provides videos of the world's first sapphic water polo team. Its popularity also extends to websites like FetLife, a social network for the BDSM fetish and kink community. In their water sports group on their website, there are more than 27,000 members. So if urophilia is the golden sensation sweeping the nation, why are we so stigmatized against pee? If you're healthy, it's not necessarily dirty. Urine is 95% water. Bacteria can be introduced into the mix when it passes through your urethra and encounters your skin on its way out the pee hole, especially if you have any bacterial infections or STIs. However, as long as the person who is peeing is healthy and well hydrated, it certainly wouldn't be harmful. If someone were to urinate on your skin, you would literally not have anything to worry about. It's why babies can pee on their parents without their parents having to admit themselves into an intensive care unit. The same goes for the rest of us. Now, as far as liquids going inside, here's the deal. I could tell you not to, but we both know that isn't going to change diddly squat, and you're going to do it anyway if you want to. So let's just accept that and move forward. The true risks to peeing inside of a partner's hole of choice are the same as having condomless sex sans pee. In fact, healthy urine can contain less bacteria than a person's semen. If a person has an STI, the urine could transmit said STI. Pretty simple. As far as ingesting it... As long as you're not nourishing yourself only on urine like a person trapped down an abandoned well, drinking a bit of healthy urine is not going to kill you. 
Things to keep in mind are that urine is slightly acidic, so there's a chance that urinating inside someone's vagina could throw off the vagina's pH balance. Now, it's 2020, baby. The receptive partner of vaginal intercourse could always release the stream on the insertive partner, and this potential pH imbalance would be avoided, since, in case you didn't know, the urethra and the vagina are not the same thing. If deposited anally, urine could wear away the mucosal lining of the rectum. It regenerates on its own, so don't worry too much. But it could dry out that inner lining, so lube up before anything else gets inserted to prevent any form of tearing. When it comes to stigma about taste and smell, if you're interested in dabbling in urophilia and these factors concern you, hydrate. It will dilute the color, the taste, the scent. And watch out for asparagus, unless you're into that kind of thing, in which case, go forth with God. Some people even eat beets or pineapple to attempt for sweeter tasting pee. Urophilia can be part of fun, consensual power dynamics or a sign of worship. Some keep it as a strictly shower routine. Some lay out a towel and some lay out a tarp. Some pee into chalices. Some people use poppy pads they throw away and some people just wash their sheets a lot more often. Whether urophilia is something you do once in a yellow moon or once a week, there is no one way to go about it. As long as the urinator is healthy, there really is nothing dirty about this act. The stigma around urophilia is the bad thing about it. If you are interested in it or are already experienced, get consent, stay hydrated, and pee free. Today's topic is masturbation. 84% of adult Americans masturbate. Yay! And they cite reasons like satisfying sexual urges, uh, achieving sexual pleasure, and stress relief as the top three reasons why. Now, the average age of Americans to start masturbating is 14 and a half Precisely. So, 74% of Americans surveyed viewed masturbation as a form of self-care or therapy. And dang nabbit, I would like to make that 100% because that is a great way to view it. Now, here to share some personal stories today uh, about their self-pleasure experiences, we have Anelita Romero. Hello. Yes, we have Jake Crosby. Yes, in the house. Yes, yes. (laughs) And we have co-creator and producer of Normalize This, Miss Livy Castell. Hello. Hi, Livy. Hi, Hi, friend. Hi. Okay, so before uh, self-pleasure can really happen, I feel like an awareness of general sexuality needs to happen at some point when we are mere little babes. Uh, and You know, I'm going to start with a kind of like a uh, fun little story of mine. <laughs> um, when I was, God, I must have been five or six years old. Uh, I was sitting in our living room and an episode of Seinfeld was on and George Costanza, played by Jason Alexander, was on. Yes, I like a daddy. But um, <laughs> he, uh, he had picked up some like woman on the street. She picked him up and they, they went up to a hotel room. She gets him all nakey-nake and then she ties him to the bedpost and then she takes all his money and leaves. And for some reason, five-year-old me got all like tangle in my little dangle was very (laughs) excited and nervous by this and I still don't know whether like I wanted to be him and be like submissive and helpless or if I wanted to be like her and just be the one who like ties him up takes his money and gets out of there (laughs) but little Kenny was definitely experiencing the sensations that he got 
from like leaning up against the jets at the pool in the summer. <laughs> and so that was uh, that was my first time. I don't know. What do you guys what do you guys feel? Do you guys have moments like that? I definitely do. Around the same age, interestingly enough, which I feel like is younger than I would have expected. Five is a very sexy age. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. So when I was like five or six, about the same age, um, my friends and I, we were really into role play. So at recess, we would act out whatever movie we had just seen or when we go to each other's houses. So one afternoon, I think we had all just seen the hit musical Annie. and (laughs) Another very sexy musical. Very sexy. Sexy musical, so sexy. and so we were acting out. Um, most of us were orphans, and one person was Miss Hannigan, and I was an orphan. And the game was a version of hide and seek. So basically, you had to hide and wait for Miss Hannigan to come find you and spank you. And I, <laughs> I remember so vividly being on the top bunk of my friend's bed with my head in a pillow and my booty in the air, waiting. And instead of like being afraid, I remember feeling what I only imagined was my first sensual or sexual experience being like, oh my gosh, I'm excited by this and I like want it to happen. That's so funny. Livy, I did the exact same thing last night. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, like you take um, I, I don't know if this is a vanilla story to what you guys share, but um, it was uh, play- wrestling with my brother, parents' bedroom, uh, getting rough, bed falls off of the box spring, porn magazines. Hustler magazines. I'm like, what is this? Why aren't like the you know the 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 body parts you're not supposed to see not blurred out or covered? So I'm interested, and that was kind of like my first exploration into even understanding well like what private parts looked like that weren't covered. Mm. Um, so it started as a pure like as a visual as thing. a visual visual, visual stimulation. Yep, for me. Well, and Alita, I I think god mine is going to sound so much more traumatic than all of yours but I remember my first experience I think because I had the feeling of being born into the wrong body I I repressed it and I remember I remember visibly when I was with my mother I had a boner and I was like what the fuck is this thing in between my legs I'm supposed to have a chichi where there's a wee wee and I remember like just feeling like so out of my body and I felt it was so foreign and I was like what is this like this is not supposed to be there um and so that was like my first experience of like having a sexual feeling was like it being wrong so Mm. that's I guess that was my first experience but it being my first like sexual awakening I think I found my stepdad's like porn stash and I think that was my first like ooh, I like dudes (laughs) Mm. so that was my first um not in my uh in my head so much experience but I also think all of those experiences kind of lead to us figuring out how we I like especially if you have visual stimuli you start to have the thing that you might start to masturbate to or Mm. if you have an experience that you're going to try and replicate like having Miss Hannigan spank you or (laughs) there's some interesting kids at your school (laughs) no but I I think those things kind of lead to what those first experiences would be I don't know how about you well, actually, much later. So I I became sexually active in high school, but when I started masturbating, it wasn't until, oh gosh, like five years after that, I think. So it was sort of a reverse experience where I thankfully 
had experienced an orgasm, so I knew what that felt like, but I hadn't experienced that from a penetrative experience. And at the time, very naively believed that that was something that was supposed to happen. And I felt broken because I wasn't able to accomplish that by having an insertive partner inside of me. And so I remember very, um, very visibly going to a sex toy workshop at NYU. And then on Valentine's Day, a couple of my girlfriends going down to Babeland, <laughs> Babeland. which I love still, <laughs> Great and buying my first vibrator because I wanted to practice. I was trying to figure out, okay, I need to buy this thing to emulate what a penis will feel like and figure out how to orgasm with that, which is so backward now that I think about it. But what was really good about it was that I was able to just do it for me. I was really trying to figure out what is my body doing? What is it like? When, how, and all of those things together. So it was a very exploratory and intimate process for myself. Uh, and so, so Jake, once, once you, uh, once you got the magazines out, what were, what were those first experiences like? What did you figure out about your body in those experiences? Um, so from the magazines at about six or seven, first or second grade, I actually, kissed a vagina mm. for from like a second grade student I can't remember her name then it it transitioned from that to having a good friend of mine who was three year old three years older than us actually masturbated in front of me mm. and then that was like the beginning of well what is that fluid then from there I had to be nine or ten from there the next bold story that I can remember is being at a birthday party with like 15 other like 12 12 year old or 13 year olds and we were all having like a masturbation party to like the girl that we thought yes, we middle were school <laughs> yeah, yeah but middle it, it, was, it was crazy we were all we, we were all out in the open like with our sleeping bags but we were all handling our business from that i just became the person that wanted to do it and continue to do it and kind of like what you said was perfect it I have to perfect this thing before I actually have real sex. And I didn't even lose my virginity until my junior year at 17. So I had like four years of pre-personal. What do they say? Like 10,000 hours? Yeah, I was a professional. Jake Jake was was, uh, choking the chicken for 10,000 hours. I also love that you refer to it as uh, kissing a vagina. Because I guess in elementary school, I wouldn't call like, oh, I I just did cunnilingus over there. I would say I kissed a vagina. It's it's, it's a very cute way of saying that. And so uh, how about you, Analita? I felt the same way, I, I think, as you did. I was like, I think because growing up with like, when you have testosterone of that amount and it wasn't until like I think maybe 12 11 12 and I just remember being like oh shit I gotta do something with this um but it was like just to do it It, I don't really really remember the what I was using uh that's a lie no I do remember (laughs) I remember my stepfather had a uh Oh God! This I hope he never listens to this. Uh, cinnamon scented lubricant, and I visibly huh. remember using that. Weird that it's cinnamon because that shit is spicy. But, but like that's a nice warming. Smell. It was a warming one. It was Makes one of the of warming fall. lubricants. Yeah, it like self warmed. I don't know. That was like my first time using that. I was like, well, that's interesting. But um, I also I had a group of tennis friends, and for some reason we just all. A lot. Sometimes we would go down on each other, but a lot of the times we would just like do a circle jerk kind of thing, and it was like, 
figure it out together. Exactly. We're all exactly. in it together. We're all Isn't that nice? The camaraderie. Together. Oh, stop it. <laughs> well, so I guess uh, you in particular of the group here have an interesting story because post-transition, masturbation changes. Ma- masturbation has to become something right. different. I guess I have two firsts. Yeah, I, I mean, I, literally, you have two firsts. So what was, what was that experience like from having a very distinct apparatus that didn't feel natural to you yeah to then transitioning and having to find pleasure again I guess I was so out of my head when I was masturbating with a phallus rather than a vagina it's like so it's I was so far removed from my body because it was I didn't want to have it there so I just I would put myself so far away uh so really learning to and masturbating with a vagina is a lot harder. Let me just, <laughs> no pun intended, but also pun intended. Uh, it's a lot more difficult and it is a lot more mental and a lot more, it's not just like a, it's not as easy, I guess, um, is how I would describe it. Neither, not that it's easy with either, but it's it's definitely not as easy to, I guess, reach climax too is what I'm talking about. Because there's, of course, like, you know, the whole process of masturbating and finding porn that you like, and that's a whole other process. Um, but yes, definitely, definitely very different. And it took me a while, especially, I, I remember actually crying the first time that I tried to masturbate after having surgery. And I could not, and I cried because I thought I was never going to be able to, because it wasn't happening. And I was like, why isn't this happening? Something is wrong with me something must have gone deeply, deeply wrong in my surgery and something got fucked up because I cannot orgasm. And I thought that I wasn't ever going to be able to. And I was like, I'm going to have to become okay with that. And I was like, this is really, really difficult. And finally, I was able to after like three months of trying. uh, And I just remember crying again (laughs) right after. And I was like, just the biggest relief that I was able to experience this again and in a completely different way um like the female orgasm is just I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this but it's insane the bees knees it's a bees knees also girl you already (laughs) cursed on this thing I did didn't I (laughs) the deed is done shit (laughs) but yeah I, I definitely um it, it was very different. So, Jake, just because I know this about you, so I'm going to get the cat out of the bag. <laughs> so you are a straight cisgendered man who uh, enjoys prostate stimulation. Yes. Yes. Can you go into how you discovered that? Because I feel like that's something that uh, there is a, a large stigma around that. And so how did you end up figuring out that desire of yours? Uh, came from... A sexual encounter with a female that I was dating at the time. This is probably 2008 or nine, so about almost, let's just say, 10 years ago. Um, I was getting oral. Um, the oral turned in from oral from the back, kind of like the trombone style. What do they call that? The the dirty trombone or something? Dirty trombone, tea, just- tea bagging. It was all of that. And then it became, <laughs> it became, well, what cool thing was that that you just fucking did back there? I'm like, okay. She didn't give me no warning. There wasn't like, this is what I'm getting ready to do. What she just did it. On? I loved it immediately. And then from there, it was conversations with her that it was like, well, what was that? And then it was... <laughs> Well, let's try this. And then it went to like the finger then or like rimming first. Uh-huh. Then it was the finger. Then it was like, 
if it feels this good with these two things, the, the, the wet tongue and the finger, then what does like a toy inside of the actual anal canal feel like during sex or during masturbation? And so and, you started to incorporate it during your oh, masturbatory absolutely, experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I can just tell you it's it's one of the most. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that's, that's he's how, smiling. That's, that's how I feel when I when I ejaculate. Yes, well, I it's, I, a, it's a totally different uh, experience. Like it's it's a full body experience. First of all, yeah. Well, those nerves in the prostate are uh, very sensitive, and also I think. Um, if, if it's not for you, it's not for you. But I think I always, when I talk to um, straight men a lot, I'll talk about if, if they feel gross about the prostate or any kind of simulation, it's a whole pleasure center that you have at your disposal. So if you are into that, that's wonderful. If you're not, then you're not. And, and you might be too, your own nerves might get in the way of your actual enjoyment of it. But it does feel like a miss to not, uh, to not try. People didn't even know that you can have an anal orgasm yeah so oh, when yeah. i tell it to them they're like oh, what is that i said you gotta you gotta get into it <laughs> you gotta go try it you gotta try it so you mean you can you have like this this experience without ejaculation i said absolutely so livy so i what, don't have a prostate you don't have a prostate oh so, so sad for very you. sad i'm so sad but for you, you do have an equivalent i do yeah, yeah i do the clitoris is an amazing thing i think it's the best one well so okay so what what has your masturbatory experience been like so it's really interesting. I was trying to think about how it's evolved. And I, I honestly don't think it has evolved because I figured out quite quickly what I enjoyed. I think what has changed over the years is my ability to articulate that. So rather than keeping that to myself and being an isolated masturbatory experience, I'm able to take what I've learned in those moments with myself and share that and then stand in my voice and ask for what I need in a partnership. The other interesting thing, which I just realized when we were talking about my good old Annie days, was thinking about the things that stimulate you. And even at an early age, it was a mental thing for me. It was it was thinking about the the kink, the somewhat dangerous feeling of it, and the the thing that I know that I'd never tried before. So that actually is a part of all of my sexual experiences is a, a very serious mental component where it's imagining some of these different sorts of experiences. When I guess that lines up with what you said earlier that I really loved about like masturbation as a form of practice mm-hmm. or as a, 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 not only practicing for like the big game of intercourse with someone else, but also like practice for you. You can learn your body. You know, Jake is learning things about his body through experiences with other people and then masturbating with it. Like we, we can find ways to continue to learn about ourselves and how we need to seek pleasure. Like for me, from like early stages to now, like going from like tense, quick, getting like getting the job done to now trying to make masturbatory experiences their own thing. So it's not like a quick 20 seconds and you know heading out to work but like something where you know you set a mood you you break out your lube you put on the video you like or the music you need or you mm-hmm. set the or the you know, several videos lighting. or the several videos, several videos. Whatever sometimes you, you gotta go through a few you know well, i yes. mean there's also there's something to learn too in like the process of edging which is getting close to an orgasm and then stopping yourself mm-hmm. so that you can prolong the experience there is something about that that is interesting to play with as an adult um would be would have been interesting to play with as a kid but i was just so uh, <laughs> eager to be done. Get in, get out. Get in, get out. But I, I think um, I think we do ourselves disservices by not using masturbation as a tool that we have 
I think about it like a testing ground. I'm thinking about sort of my, just from a conversation we've had in the past about how women, the way you see them masturbating in media is either on their backs or in a bathtub, which again, water and sex, I don't really understand <laughs> don't, that. No. But Yeah, but, it's the same for me with like sand and sex. I'm like, get that yeah. out of here. Yeah, get no, out. no. But I think it's interesting to think about, okay, well, I know that that's been the way I've done this forever. What if I were to try this in a different position? And because you mentioned, Annalita, how mental this can be, how much of a, a brain component there is to the female orgasm, I can do that in the safety of my space. And then I'm not as worried about it if it's with another person. I, I mean, I just think it's important that people learn to have conversations about not only their own masturbation, but like you said, Livy, like their needs and masturbation is a great way to find out what you need. Totally. Especially if you're using certain toys or you're experimenting with positions alone, you can learn and be able to tell your partner smack dab at the beginning that like, I like, like we can try all these other things, but like, just know like, this is something that I like. This is what I kind of go for. And I just think more people need to be having conversations like this. So thank you all for playing a part in this conversation. Hopefully there are many more like this and we all go and exponentially spread the masturbation love with others. Thanks for listening to the words that came out of my and my guests' mouth holes today. Before I let you go, I want to clarify some vocabulary so that we are all on the same page moving forward. I want to define the differences between kinks and fetishes. The two words are used almost interchangeably, but they are in fact different. There are a lot of opposing views on this, but so that you know what page I'm on when I use these words, here are my thoughts. A kink is a particular action or prop or situation that you incorporate into your sexual life. It is not a necessity, but it is something you enjoy peppering into your sexual salad. A fetish is an act, prop, situation that is almost always necessary for the fetishist to fully enjoy their sexual interaction, or sometimes even necessary for them to get aroused to begin with. In many cases, and if you think openly enough, anything in one category could be involved in another. Uh, let's take our first topic today, which was piss play. You can dabble and dribble in piss play and have it be a kink you are open to incorporating into your sexual experience every so often. Or it can be a fetish, whereas it becomes consistent in your sexual life and is a constant across all or most of your sexual transactions. Sometimes things can grow from a kink into a fetish or vice versa. In my view, there aren't many strict rules here, but it's good to be on the same page linguistically. However, disagree with me. Tell me your opinion. Maybe you'll change my mind. Maybe you won't, but at least we'll be talking about kinks and fetishes in a world that desperately needs more people to be talking about kinks and fetishes. So thanks again for listening. Please follow and subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Most importantly, stay informed, get frisky, and embrace the taboo, you delicious miscreants.